Broadcasting live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona, you are tuning in to Culture Crush with Kendra Maples. This podcast will dive into a variety of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Culture Crush Business Podcast. On this podcast, we do a deep dive into conversations with company leaders about their company culture, as well as companies and individuals that are out there to help with the resources for improving company culture. Today is no different. The really neat part about today, sometimes we have some virtual guests that we bring in over uh, camera and whatnot. Today, both of these amazing, lovely ladies are in person, in real life, in front of me, which adds to just the, the feel and the excitement in the room. These two lovely ladies that we get to have in the conversation today, we have Sarah Spencer, visual storyteller for her company, 26 Letters Studio. Welcome. Thank you. And we have Anka Castillo, the co-founder and co-CEO of her company, Designing Design Combo, LLC. Uh, welcome. Thank you. I say, this, I say it every time. I'm so stoked for these conversations. I just, I really am. And I say it every time and I say how... I get excited leading up to it. It doesn't discount any of the podcasts or the conversations we've had before, but it just leans in the fact that I love continuing these conversations and highlighting new resources, especially on improving company culture. And I feel both of you fit into that. A lot of times when it comes to resources for company culture, people think of the diversity, inclusion, employee engagement, team bonding, right? Those are kind of the categories that people think of when they think of company culture. The really cool thing about what I love doing in the space of my company, Culture Crush, is providing insight into resources that people are not going to know to think of. When a company leader is stuck and he's like, how do we improve meetings? Okay, that's the issue, right? That's the problem. They don't know necessarily about the two of you and the resources you provide. So if they just went to their computer and started Googling, they're not going to know what to search for. So that I say all of that because that's why I'm so excited for the conversation with the two of you, because you provide these resources that are not the top 10 resources that GPT is going <laughs> to, chat GPT is going to give you when it comes to, you know, improving meetings or company culture. So this is going to be really exciting conversation for me to have with you both. So all of that to say, hello and welcome. I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks for having us. So let's start with, I want to hear a little bit about you, your companies, what you're doing. We have plenty of time, so don't feel like you have to give this in like a 20-second elevator pitch. Really tell me about you, where you came from, how you started this. Uncle with you, right? You're doing it with somebody else. Like, where did this even come from, right? So yeah, let's start with you, Anka. Tell me about you, your background. How'd you get into starting this company? Thank you, one, for having <laughs> me here. So I am originally um, born and raised in Romania, grew up in Alaska, and am now in Arizona, which I love because I'm a heat person. <laughs> I was like, ooh, Alaska. <laughs> I love the heat. Um, but I am co-founder and co-CEO with my amazing co, Carrie Lopez of Design Convo. We fully launched into this full-time almost a year ago, last mm -hmm. September. We quit our full-time jobs 
and our trajectory to be able to do this. Yeah. Partly because this is the part of our jobs that we really loved and we didn't want it to be the other duties as assigned. We want it to be the full thing that we do with anyone that wants us to do it. And so we were previously at Arizona State University and this idea came around out of pure frustration of sitting and meeting after meeting where all it was was a summary and then people sat around talking about how much they hated the thing, never really solving the thing, just complaining. Most folks not talking. It was like one or two folks that were talking the whole time. And then you'd get up and know that you do it all over again, over and over and over. And we got to a point where we're like, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely stupid, honestly. <laughs> and we had in our pockets different tools and techniques and things that we were passionate about that we knew we could allow others to learn to be able to improve the way they get together. Mm-hmm. And through many years of lived research and trying to get this out, we realized at the core of it, and this is what our company is founded on, that we as humans just don't know how to collaborate. Mm-hmm. It has never been taught to us. If you think back to being a child, you're like, do this group project, go. And that's all there, that there is. <laughs> yeah. And it normally looks like one or two folks kind of taking charge and everyone following suit and you push through it till you get to the end. And then you're like, I hate working on group projects. Yeah. And then throughout the rest of your education, you're like, I hate working on group projects. Give me something I can do by myself. And we take this with us into our company mindset and the way that we engage as adults. And we think that just because we're humans and we know how to speak, most of us, and how to like download what's on our mind, that we can naturally come together and collaborate. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. We do not know how to bring folks together in a room to talk about something productively and positively and to get to next step items by the end of that. We just don't know how to do it. Like at the core of it, mm-hmm. we don't know. And we try to throw technology at it. Like if we just have this one technology, this one software, this other thing, this other thing, that's just a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. It's never going to solve the problem, which is we don't know how to collaborate. And so our main focus is helping Companies and organizations and leaders learn how to get people together in a room, talk about the thing and solve the thing. Because at the, at the core of it, that is how we move anything along. It's not technology. It's not all these different things. Those are helpers. But at the core of it, it's we as people that solve the problems. And we can't do that unless we know how to come together and have positive, productive, collaborative conversations. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Um, I am sure this year has been a whirlwind of growth. I will say I see you guys all over the place with things on LinkedIn and speaking opportunities you've had. So I'm super excited to see that journey and see that growth, especially in the space where I am, right? I want to provide all of these tools and, and pieces of resources to companies so that they can make (laughs) your shirt, it says meetings suck, so that meetings don't suck, right? What are the ways that we can help collaborate, build, communicate? So I'm super stoked with the growth that you guys have done. Super proud of you and just love what you're doing and what's behind it. So on that note of, okay, how do we work together and and help with meetings and, and communicating together? I'll jump over to Sarah because you fit into this mix. And again, a unique way of being a resource that I think people don't know to Google. They don't know to look you up and what you do. So 
tell us a little bit about you and what you do, my dear. Well, at my core, I am an illustrator and a drawer. So I've been doing that my entire life. And I do that all the time. And as far as the culture, where the culture comes in, I had a job at a big organization. I got a job for at a big organization that had an amazing culture. I didn't really even know what, what it was at the time, but I know I enjoyed it. And then the organization was bought. And as they started to take this company and uh, kind of tear it apart and make it what they wanted to be, they ruined the culture. And I always said, if I had like $2 million, I would hire everybody and we just make stuff, you yes. know, because they were so amazing. So that was my first experience with culture and what it was. And then when we, when uh, I was laid off, like a number of other people were, um, when they moved to New York City, I was at a loss of what to do because I didn't want to go back to what I was doing before. And I wanted to go forward and I wanted to learn more about people and culture and leadership development and all these things that make organizations wonderful. With this artistic, creative, sensibility that I have, I wanted to see how I could help organizations in that way. And it was a reinvention moment for me. I was in a car with a friend of mine who happens to be a really great facilitator. And she also happens to love post-it notes and has them with her at all times. <laughs> and we were on a, on a road trip and I was lamenting that I didn't know what to do or how to do it or how am I going to find out what's my next? And so she said, well, go in the in the, in the the uh, glove compartment and grab the post-it notes and start writing down all the things you're good at and all the things that you love and everything that people tell you you're good at. And so over the course of 45 minutes, I covered the entire inside of the car that I could reach, except for a little <laughs> space where she could see out <laughs> with all of these things. And she was, as she was driving, she was instructing me, to read, read them off as they were going along. And she just facilitated me into recognizing that I have a talent for not only drawing, but synthesizing information. Mm -hmm. And I have a, a love for organizational culture and the people that make it up. I didn't have a word for it, but she did. It was called graphic facilitator. And so what that is, is a human being who it goes into a room with people who are meeting and it can be any kind of meeting. It can be a brainstorming meeting or a culture meeting of getting together and, and creating culture for the sake of creating culture or even something like a strategy. Mm -hmm. And that person, which is me now, I draw what's coming out of the room. So as the conversations are developing, I draw what's being said and I mm -hmm. capture and synthesize the information. And what's really wonderful about that is that anyone who was is in the room and has never had that happen before is very excited. And the people who are uh, in the room who have it are quite inspired by it. So it's really inspiring to have your words written down and drawn out for other people to see and read because it validates what you're saying and then it also helps people to understand what you're saying because the spoken word comes and goes so quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's been a really wonderful long journey for me. And so now I, I do that. I go, I'm in with companies, um, collaborate with companies mm -hmm. to document their culture. And I document the culture while it's happening. And then what I do is I create books that then the culture, that the organization can show board members and investors. And in fact, I'm delivering a 300 books to a leadership conference that's happening this week. 
that 300 people will get books uh, with their pictures in them and graphic recordings and all the wonderful things about their culture that exist. So it's, yeah. it's wonderful. It's very neat with the timing of having this conversation compared to the show we we just recorded before you guys. The thread is there's an inclusion piece. That conversation, we were talking about inclusion from the angle of accessibility and tools and technology, things like that. I look at the two of you and what you're doing from that inclusion space because you're you're connecting all those people in the room, right? So Anka, from your perspective, how do we bring them in? How do we have these conversations successfully, right? Yep. Include everybody into the conversation and look at it from even that process improvement standpoint so that meetings don't suck and there is, you know, a plan and what happens next and and that side of things. And then Sarah, with you, I've had the honor of actually having you do some graphic note-taking for a, a brainstorm session that I did maybe a year and a half ago when I was really figuring out and defining some of the pieces of the company and the direction I wanted to go in. She did graphic designing for it. And the inclusion piece there is everybody learns differently, right? And so when you say how, you know, verbally you say things, and by the time I hear you say it, I write it down in my notes, Anka writes it down in her notes, Jesse writes a different note. Already there's a communication that's lost, right? And so what you're doing is you're providing that opportunity to, okay, yeah, there might be some notes recapped, but also visually, let's put it all together. And then by you recapping it, right, you are an outsider in the conversation. Now, you've become part of some of these conversations. Like, I know you've done a lot of work with Goodwill, and you're, like, part of their conversation now. But you, as the outsider, you have to take all that information, summarize, share it back. Now, it's completely inclusive for everybody in the room. And you're sharing it in a way that somebody else might learn better by seeing it visually versus notes and some bullet points afterwards, right? Yes. The other thing that's really cool about both of you is, again, as an outsider, you are getting the outside view of these companies. You are so impactful in building their company culture because when you get into the weeds of a company, sometimes you don't see these things that might be great about their culture or might be toxic about the culture, right? So, with what you guys are doing, you're getting these inside views. <laughs> and therefore, you're an extra bonus to helping with that company culture piece by being able to see and then recap like, hey, here's this piece. And it might be totally new. They might not have any idea of, oh, wow, this is an area we do great in or maybe an area we need improvement. So I love that this conversation is happening after recording one all about inclusion because it's just a different angle of inclusion, right? So I want to continue and tap into that. Sarah, looks, you're ready to talk. I can tell. Just do it. Jump in. <laughs> like, can I jump in? Go anytime. Yeah. We're just hanging out. I having, don't want to interrupt the host. We're just chatting. <laughs> right. There just happens to be recording <laughs> technology going on. Jump in. Go for it. Well, what I think is really wonderful about what Anka and I do coming into an organization is that we, because we uh, work with so many, mm-hmm. we have a really high level perspective on how things work and how what what the similarities and cultures are mm. and the meetings are. So the work that Anka does, the, the work that you do is so great. It's so effective. 
and the processes that you've created like are really inspiring and work better than anything I've ever seen. Even the story, the storytelling process that you do is is amazing. Like you're the way that you are able to create a process that everybody can understand is be in, in, and be inspired by it is incredible. And you use a lot of visuals too. That's why we get along. It's a lot of visual language. <laughs> If we're on the compliment train, I just want to say that Sarah is absolutely amazing. If no one has seen her work, be ready to be blown away. Yeah. And because of her, I've started doodling. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the words, the spelling. Yes. I am just notoriously horrible at spelling. And so Sarah mentioned that I should doodle or like draw different forms of words so they stick to my mind and it works. I have never spelt professional wrong after doodling <laughs> <Nice>. it. <laughs> Not two Fs, just one. I have a method for that. But one of the things that we've seen and we we push for and why visualization is such an important part of conversation is that most times we just talk about things, right? And mm. you say a word and it just is out in the air. Yeah. You don't remember it. You don't, there's no, it, it's just said once and that's it. Everything we do in our sessions, we sticky note and we ask folks to sticky note because one of the hardest things about conversations is most times you're talking about abstract things. Mm -hmm. Yes. And by taking things that are abstract and then making them concrete, even words on a sticky note or doodle on the sticky note, now you have the thing in front of you. And so the conflict doesn't have to be about the people. Right? Because when you don't have anything to take your anger out or your frustration on, you take it on the person that's part of the thing. Mm. But when you verbalize and you put it on a sticky note and then it's there in front of you, now we can both be mad at the thing because we see it. It has physical shape. It has body. It has characteristics. We see it in a process map. We see it in a mind map. We see it in front of us and we can begin to do things to it. Yes. And we've now made it concrete. Even something as, as simple as fear. When we get to root cause conversations about even the smallest thing, a lot of times fear comes up as a root cause. And it's different when you're saying it versus when you see it on the board and it keeps staring back at you. And you're like, dang it, now we have to fix this fear, the thing that's at our core that keeps messing us up, that no one has ever had the opportunity or the safe space to bring it up or write it down. Yeah, that's really amazing. And what's really awesome about that, too, is that then you can have a discussion about what fear means to each person because what mm -hmm. I'm afraid of is something that you guys are not afraid of or the fear level is there. Mm -hmm. And what that does is allow a, a space to have a conversation about what that is, so defining it. So in my work, I do a lot of work visuals or word visuals where you take a word like fear and then you visually define it. So mm -hmm. what is that? Like climbing a mountain is, you know, for me, that's that's scares me, the idea of being exposed to the elements and maybe like getting into a storm or maybe even not making it to the top. Like, well, I'm going to like spend all this time and energy getting to the top of this and I'm not going to make it. Like, how disappointing is that? So in defining it for myself or for oneself, what those words are, you can really have a greater understanding of what that means to you and also how to help other people understand you. So it really has a lot to do with like helping, like with empathy and communication mm -hmm. yeah, and conversations. It's that connection piece, right? Then I, now I understand you. I understand why you have this fear. Where did it come from, right? Mm -hmm. There's the connection piece of it. And then that communication piece of, 
okay, now our terminology, our verbiage, our understanding of this is the same thing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, especially nowadays, there's there's so many different ways you can take a word, a sentence, whatever. And so getting everybody on the same page in the beginning. And then I love the sticky note thing of, okay, here it is. Look at it in real life. Because to the fear thing, some of the fears we have, it's it's a belief. It's a wrong belief. It's an idea. It's a concept that somewhere in my background, I brought this along with me, right? But needing to put some visual, hey, here it is, right? Maybe a little different than if you're afraid of like a spider. It's very much in front of you. I only use that example because I was at a retreat this past week and there was a tarantula outside and the group just flipped out. Well, my background is animals. So I just went, uh, hey guys, can I just pick it up and move it? And they were like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> but it was so, it was just in that simple moment of like, my fears are very different than their fears. Mm-hmm. And it was a thing in front of us. Mm-hmm. We could look at it, right? A lot of those other fears and conversations, they're not right there in front of you. So the visual piece of what both of you are doing gets everybody on the same page, right? So that you can do the deeper work. If you're not on the same page and you're not speaking the language right off the bat, well, then to your point earlier, right? You go into these conversations, these meetings, you're talking, then you leave, nothing happens, or maybe things happen, but they're going in different directions, right? Well, and it's really important to have artifacts. So the thing about meetings is that so many times, and you know this from your oh, work yes. before, is where you there's a lot of talking. Most of it's complaining. Mm-hmm. And people leave, and there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing to go air. on. Yeah. So the work that Anka and I do is largely dependent upon the idea that we have our artifacts that come out of the work. Mm-hmm. So that inspires future conversations. I, I've done graphic recordings, and I'm like, that's a workshop. You need to work on this. I mean, it's amazing. Once you mm-hmm. see things, you just process to, them differently. To be able to have have those artifacts to to move forward. It's really important. So, or even just remembering. Yes. Like, oh. You always remember. Most folks always remember how things look. And you can instantly go back to that moment if you have, even if it's sticky notes on a whiteboard, if you're afraid of drawing, which you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's sticky notes on a whiteboard, if you just take a picture of that, mm-hmm. you can instantly go back to the moment. All mm-hmm. those, what, someone said that sticky note, you remember who said it. Like you mm-hmm. you have an instant memory of everything that took place because of that artifact. And, versus, an, a- and an accurate memory. <laughs> yes, yes. I, as you both are talking, I am connecting it again to the conversation we had before. The two gentlemen that we had on the podcast, both of them are blind. Mm-hmm. So as you're talking and you're talking about this very visual thing, right? They're not going to see that, but there's still a piece of what you're saying is you're you're pausing that moment in time, right? So mm-hmm. even if maybe they're not seeing Sarah your graphics and your your drawings, right? You're still getting everyone on the same page at the end when you're doing that recap. And that can do yes, absolutely. So so that piece of it, right? It's visual mm-hmm. and also it doesn't have to be. It really is having you two as outside resources to take these conversations, pause these moments, and go, to your point, that becomes a workshop for us later. That becomes a tangible thing we work on later. So we're not just going into a meeting, spewing all of this stuff about how you hate what's going on. You walk out of the room and nothing happens, right? So even if it's 
we're going to talk about, obviously, through this with the both of you, it being visual. This just is in my head because we just had this conversation, right? So even without that visual piece, it is still visual and also just breaking apart the pieces and pausing. I feel like we just don't do that enough, right? We run from meeting to meeting. And then at the end of the day, you're like, what the hell were all those meetings about? Oh, exactly. (laughs) Like, I just spent eight hours of my day in back-to-back meetings. And you could not recall what what just happened or what's going to happen next. You just know there's going to be another whole set of meetings about the meetings you just had. Yeah. So, So with that being said, tell me about, like, can you give me some insight into the how, right? Like, where does it start with the work? And I'm looking at Anka, and then I, obviously, Sarah, I want you to chime into this too. Where does it start when a company finds you, reaches out to you? Where does it start with helping them put these pieces together, learn how to work on these conversations and these meetings and make them not suck, right? (laughs) Where does all of that start? Like, what's the how? We know why you're passionate about it. Mm -hmm. What's the how of what you're doing? So for us right now, it's two pathways. One, it's either word of mouth and referrals where folks know what we're doing and they're like, oh, this group right here told me they're struggling with this. I want to connect you with them. Or just, it hasn't happened a lot, but maybe it'll happen a lot more now. Yeah. Just folks just cold finding us. Okay. Um, In both situations, it is folks coming into us saying, we have this thing that we need to work on. Strategic planning, it's change management, it's a process improvement, it's a redesign, whatever it is. And most times it's, we don't know how to do this together. There was one group in particular, I'm not going to say who it was, one group that said, we are so broken, we're afraid of bringing folks together because every time we brought up together, they just argued. Wow. So I'm curious how many people, how large was this group? And was it a whole organization or a team? It was a team within an organization. Okay. And it was about 20 folks. Okay. And they were afraid to talk to each other. They were afraid to talk to each other. Leadership was like, I am afraid to bring these folks together because every time we've tried, yeah, it has just turned horribly bad. Yeah. That's similar. We've had multiple organizations where we're like, we have trust problems. Can you come in and fix our trust? Mm. We don't know how to, like, we're afraid to talk to each other because it always goes bad. Mm. And again, going back to that, How do we have collaborative conversations? No one has taught us how to do that. Mm -hmm. It is not part of our education. It's just kind of expected of us too. Mm -hmm. And there is a breaking point where folks are like, it's gotten so bad. The culture may be great. You know, we may all love each other. But when it comes to getting together and having a conversation about something even as simple as a procurement process, it's like pulling teeth and it's the thing that people dread the most. And while we have our own kind of proprietary method for conversation design that we use to bring anyone together to have a conversation, we also have a plethora of other different tools and techniques. Um, We love human-centered design tools and techniques, graphic facilitation techniques, Mm -hmm. process improvement, all these other things. And it's always around what do folks need, where are they at, and where do they need to go? Mm -hmm. And then we kind of custom customize a roadmap to get them there. Focus specifically on how do we get folks able to talk to each other again. Mm-hmm. And it's never the the output. that The output is always the project that they're working on, yeah. but it's like the second output that they don't know. They're also working on fixing their relationships and like 
building back the trust that was broken and group therapy in in a sense and all this healing that happens. And with that group in particular, after, you know, a set of months of us coming in and they had a specific design project that we were helping them do, we are not experts in the topic at all. And we told them, "We're, we're not giving you answers. You have the capacity to answer this yourself. What we're helping you is in bringing folks together and allowing them to do it in a positive way. They solved their own problem. They came up with a brilliant thing. And the thing at the end that they loved the most, they're like, we're excited to get together now. Yeah. Like this has been healing. That was the leadership's response back to us. This has been healing. I was afraid and now I'm excited to get these folks together. We all listen to each other. We all hear each other. We know how to interact and have conversations. And I'm confident that we can continue to do this work without you. And that to us is like the biggest aha and success metric ever to folks to be able to say, we're now capable of doing this without you. We feel confident in continuing any topic with this group, knowing that now we know how to come together and have a collaborative conversation. Oh, my gosh. And those are all the building blocks to great culture. Yes. Because even the difficult... Getting through the difficult conversations are really, that's the hard part of culture, right? Yes. And so having a structure to work with or a process mm-hmm. to work with to say, okay, we're butting heads here and we yeah. need to lay it all on the table and figure out how to get through this. And all that work is where the culture comes from. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's the work and the play that makes the culture. The play's easy. Yeah. <laughs> but the play's also really important to the work. If an organization, a group of people don't play together, they can't stay together mm-hmm. because it's in, it's, that's where the trust is built, mm-hmm. you know, being vulnerable and having fun and being in a safe space where you can enjoy each other really builds the foundation for being able to get through those real hard times. Mm-hmm. And you being able to come in, be honest about, okay, the topic, we're not pros on the topic. We're just helping you build the conversation in order to attack this conversation in Mm -hmm. this topic, right? Um, You said, you jokingly said something about a therapist. And I was like, that's literally, I'm listening to you. And I'm like, this, you're like the workplace therapist. Can I take you home? Like, can you help me with my family? I need some help talking to my mom sometimes. But that is what you're doing. The things, the what, the how, they have to do, right? Yes. You're just bringing them together, building the trust, building the communication, making sure everybody is communicating with the same language, Mm -hmm. um, acknowledging, you said human-centered, acknowledging we are all very different humans. Yes. And sometimes with companies, you throw people into that room, right? Mm -hmm. Back to your point in the beginning. Hey, go do this group project. You throw people in a room, you don't give them the tools to help do that project and communicate together. Mm -hmm. You're just, here's the thing, go do it. So what you're doing is you're you're building the trust, the connection. You're acknowledging that they're humans. Yes. Right? And then let's let's do this thing, right? Yeah. But also, it's like this giant therapy session that they don't know what they're going through. Yes. And it it, <laughs> it very much is like that because of the the amount of healing and relationship building and trust building that happens when you have a a proven structured way to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, conversations should be organic. They should just flow. Yes, they should flow within a structure. Mm -hmm. And Sarah knows our process because she's she's seen it. Um, The things 
the things that get to us most. So we have a five-step process that we of our own proprietary method. And then we plug in different tools and things where it makes sense. But the first three things that most conversations are missing, and they like, oh, they get me every time, (laughs) is one, an established set of norms. Everyone thinks we go in with like the same values and way that we're going to be together. And that's not the case. And so you have to specifically say the way that you're going to be together Mm -hmm. and say it every time. And I cannot tell you the amount of times folks will say them as a self-permission. So one of our space makers, as we call them, is this is a safe space for sharing, Mm -hmm. right? And there are multiple times throughout the session where these executive leaders will say, okay, this is a safe space for sharing, so I'm going to share this. Like they'll they'll use it almost like a self-permission because we mentioned it earlier to say really brave things or really provocative things or ask questions that they've been afraid to ask otherwise. Yeah. So that's one. Two, get really, really clear on what you're there to talk about. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat back and watched people talk about two different things at the same time, thinking they're talking about the same thing. (laughs) And you just see them like just two boats crossing at night, not knowing that they're there, but they think they're there because we've never spent time saying, what are you talking about? What is the topic? Who is it for? Where does it take place? And why are we even talking about this? Because the why could be vastly different and that changes the conversation. It changes the purpose of it. And so our very first thing is let's really define what it is that we're here to talk about. And sometimes that takes a long time. And that gives us a lot of clarity into, wow, you guys are really like not on the same page. (laughs) So it's really important that we need to get you on the same page. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, everyone, especially if you're problem solving, you jump into what is the problem? Let's solve it. Yes. Right. And most times the problem is Band-Aid things like surface level things. Before you even jump into that, spend time getting everyone's perspective on what the thing is. So what is this thing today as we know it? Spend time, both everyone sharing and understanding what is this thing? Mm -hmm. For example, what is, we're here to create more joy in the workplace for our organization. Okay, well, what does joy in the workplace look like for you as you know it today? Is it playing time? Is it break? Like, what is it for you today? And Mm -hmm. let's spend time understanding that before we get into what our issues with it are. Because we all could have a vastly different understanding of the thing as it stands today. And by sharing that, now we are beginning to build a relationship. We're beginning to understand perspective. We're mm-hmm. beginning to really dive into the empathy of each other mm-hmm. before going into problem solving. And even in problem solving, we sit at the symptom level. Like, I have a cold, I have a cough, but is it a cold or is it something deeper? We're all kind of asking that now because of what happened recently. (laughs) But we don't do that with our problems. Like, we have a problem with this procurement thing. It takes forever. Why does it take forever? Mm -hmm. Dive deeper into the root of it. And I kid you not, every time when you get to the root of it, it all becomes human-centered. Because we are the people at the center of the problems. Mm -hmm. And it goes back down to things like fear of failure, fear of judgment, Um, misunderstanding, miscommunication, like very human-centered root causes to this thing that no one has ever said out loud. We were working with a group, again, not going to say who they were, a really big organization that was looking at wanting to um, scale Mm -hmm. um, a pilot on reusable cups, right? And so all these challenges came up about being able to do it. And they're very business-centered challenges of 
funding and money and customer behavior and all of that. And we dove deeper and deeper. Ultimately, it was we're afraid of failing. Like we're afraid of doing this pilot thing. It's going to fail. And then it's going to look bad on all of us who are part of it. Hmm. And it was during that session that someone bravely said, what if we just take that failure full on? We expect that failure and we work at what really good at is mitigating it, like responding to it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until that someone said that brave thing and it wasn't until they saw it on that sticky note on that board that they were able to have that conversation. And that one conversation completely changed their entire thinking and strategy for this pilot that they're going to do. But it always gets back to very human-centered things that are at the root of our issues or our challenges or the things that are in our way. And and to your point of failure, a lot of times we're so afraid of failure that we can't even name it. Mm -hmm. Like we don't even want to think about it. And so we'll spend time with groups of, you know, in future thinking, using some, some of those tools. Well, let's think through what's the what's the worst thing that could happen if this fail? Like name it, draw it out. Mm-hmm. Most times folks are like, oh, it's not that bad once you see it up there. Yeah. Like what is the absolute worst that could happen? Let's name it. Let's play through it. scenario role. And most times it's not that bad. Well, yes. especially working with teams, something that one person might be afraid of is not a fear of another. So when yeah. it is visualized and put out there and put on sticky notes and organized, then it becomes less fearful because you realize you're not alone. Yes. So it's not the manager of this project that's concerned about his entire reputation and maybe his job going away as a result of the failure. Mm -hmm. It becomes like, okay, we're a team. We're going to all work on this together. And being able to have a space where, like you say, it's like putting things out there on in visual format or in post-it notes, which is a very visual format, to be able to redirect it from the internal fear that I I would have in this project to like, hey, this is my fear with others and look at the strengths. So you have like this opportunity to discover the strengths that you have mm-hmm. in and among the fears. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, like you said, it's just, it, maybe it's not as big as you think it is. Or you're like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to learn and fail forward. Mm-hmm. And in most of those cases, it really isn't worse. It's it's not, okay, everyone loses their jobs. And like the worst case scenario is usually not that bad. But like both of you said, you you build this up in your brain. It becomes bigger than what it really is. Then when you articulate it, okay, now it's visual. Now we see it. Now it's way smaller. Mm-hmm. And yep. also we realize, oh, we're all worried about the same stuff. Like now I have a bigger connection yes. with somebody else on my team because, oh, they have the same fear as me. Mm-hmm. And that connection piece builds the trust in that group, mm-hmm. right? Because you find another piece of humanness and mm-hmm. commonality with somebody that you might have gone into that meeting being like, ah, oh, that guy, Jim, he's totally different than me. And, you know, like yes. we have different backgrounds and different families. And, and then all of a sudden you build these tools for communication that lead to the connection piece. And you're like, oh, yes. Jim's afraid of the same shit I'm afraid of. Yes. Right? <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times we've done process improvement projects with folks uh-huh. where there was that one person everyone hated, hated, yeah. disliked, frustrated yeah. with, right? And they're like, oh, it's Sally. Sally's the problem with this process. This is the thing. We drew it out. Sally got to show her point in the process. Yeah. And it was when we got to those root causes that those people will cry. 
Like folks have cried in process improvement sessions because they get to the point where they get to share their thing and folks see it, right? You see this process and everyone's like, it's Sally's thing. But when you get to Sally's thing, you understand that Sally has to wait on five manual signatures from all these folks before she could do anything moving down the line. And in that moment where she gets to tell that story and share those frustrations, folks have cried. And Carrie and I are looking at each other. We're like, we're crying about a process improvement. <laughs> like, But it's all this yeah. history of, of frustrations and things unsaid and emotions because we are humans. Mm-hmm. And it's that moment that you're like, oh, Sally, it's not you. It's this stupid thing that we've always done that's always this way. And we expect you to do it. And we've never understood how that ties into everything. We've never seen how that impacts the whole thing because we all live in these like small areas of the work that we do. And we hardly Mm -hmm. ever get to take a step back and see the whole and how we all interact with the whole and how at the end of the day, we're all humans Mm -hmm. who have not had a chance to sit down and have a conversation with each other. Mm -hmm. And every time after our work, recently we did a, a big old design session and going around to these groups that were working on their concept posters, I kept hearing over and over, wow, we, we, we need to get our groups together to do this. <laughs> yeah. And we need a facilitator. And we just need to sit down and talk about this. And I don't think there's bigger validation than folks seeing the light bulb moment and their folks of like, oh, wow, there's a way. Like, we need, to, we need more of this. We need a facilitator. Yeah. We need to get folks together. Like, that is such a good feeling because you know that people see a path forward. And it's work that now we can do. And I'd like to just say something about how important facilitation is and hiring yes. someone from the outside to come in, especially if you're having problems with meetings or moving forward in any way, is to have someone come in and design a conversation and have someone like me graphic record it so mm-hmm. you know what's happening in the room and be inspired. And it's really important to recognize as a struggling organization that investing in facilitators and people to come in and help your organization and your team to move forward is worth its weight. Like mm-hmm. It is the best way to get through the uh, problems that you have in your organization. And it is really true investment. Yes. And that is why I love where I sit in all of this. <laughs> I fit in as a resource when it comes to some of the connection pieces and things like that. But that's why I love where I sit in all of this, because when I have some of these initial conversations with companies, they don't know, right, these pieces that are out there. They don't look at it from the perspective of, okay, well, in your personal life, you go to the dentist to check your teeth, right? You go to the doctor to check everything else. You go to a therapist for this. You take your car to the mechanic for this, right? We have these resources in our personal life. And then all of a sudden you're in the workplace and you're like, oh, we got to do it ourselves. No, you don't. And so that's where I love where I sit in all of this. Because when I have these conversations with companies, I get to pick out the pieces and then go, oh, well, here's the resource that you need. And Nine times out of 10, it is a facilitator, a coach. Yeah, there's other resources that help bring some stuff in and, and maybe engagement tools and mental health resources. And But there's something different about having that person, that coach, that facilitator that's in that room guiding you through these sessions, getting to the root of what's going on, bringing mm-hmm. it to the surface. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the same way that 
I'm not going to my mechanic to check my teeth. Well, and don't <laughs> they say you works. have? Don't they say you have everything you need to succeed? So it's just getting it out of your yeah. brain and your heart. Yeah, and, and then organized in such a way that it makes sense to you and pushes you and your and your purpose forward. Yeah. Yes, and and making those connections and then finding those overlaps too. That's why I was so excited to have both of you in the room today because you're doing similar things and different things and overlapping. You both are amazing resources and tools to bring into the workplace. And so that's the other piece too, is being able to share with companies. It's not one thing that's the answer for your whole company, right? It's these pieces. And I'll come looking at you. If say the piece is, okay, let's do this uh, strategy thing, right? We have this thing we need help with. Well, you're coming in, you're digging deeper. Now you're finding other things going on, right? You might be in there doing these sessions, bringing out tears, and then you're going to go, oh, well, here's this other piece of their company culture of where they might need extra support and whatnot, right? And then you bring in the next resource. It's Sarah, graphic note-taking. Then you bring in the next resource of a company that provides employee engagement opportunities. Okay, now you bring in the next resource of mental health, right? It's building these. But when you start with facilitators and folks like you two, it's almost like it's the leader's way of like tackling it, but they don't really realize the root and the depth of what they're tackling, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the piece. I mean, I love what both of you are doing and then being able to Look at okay, what's the what's the base level of what we're doing, but then what's the depth and the root of really what we're doing and what we're working on? It says a lot too about the companies that are bringing you in, right? Through referrals and whatnot, they know. Ah, oh, somebody said this, right? It's hard to articulate sometimes what both of you are doing at the depth of it, right? It's easy to be like, oh, graphic note taking, right? But there's so much beyond that. You know, you've been working with a big company for a while and you're like part of their yes. team now. Practically. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that piece, right, it's deeper than, hey, we're going to help you facilitate some conversations. Hey, we're going to graphic note take your meeting. Like there's so much beyond that to really fully dive into building culture with what you guys are doing that I love. Sarah, I'm looking at you now. Tell us a little bit about the companies that you're working with and how with the graphic note-taking side, right? Similar, like Anka's telling us, yeah, we're going in to help with the strategic plan, but now we're bringing out tears because they realize what Sue's going through. Tell us from your perspective, right? When you're going in and then you're recapping meetings and you're looking at next steps of what they need to do. Tell us what that looks like from your perspective too. Sure. Great question. So when I when I am approached by an organization and there are it's a broad range, most top of my mind is what is it that's coming out of this meeting, which you'd be surprised is not necessarily the person who's hiring me. <laughs> so I have a conversation with the with the the team or the team leader about what the what the outcome is and how they want to move forward. Oftentimes, I will have a conversation about like, okay, maybe let's consider. Con- uh, structuring this meeting a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Because I have so much experience working with so many organizations, I see what works and what doesn't work. So if I start to see something like, okay, well, this, you might like lose some energy here, or hey, it would be really great if we use graphic recording. And it's like graphic note taking, graphic recording, 
visual visual uh, storytelling. This is all up on a big eight four by eight foot paper piece of paper that's on a board. I use really big markers, all colorful, um, oftentimes in the logo colors or the corporate colors of the company. Good <laughs> to, job. To get, the, get the bonus points. <laughs> They're always beautiful. And so th- what my goal is for the outcomes, for, from my perspective, is that what I capture is clear, it's organized, it's understandable, and they whoever reads this after the meeting can learn about the meeting in a way that is really not available for other uh, other ways of of recording, either audio recording or note taking by anyone really. Mm-hmm. So what this what I do is is capture the group think and then synthesize that into images and graphic words that help highlight really what's important in the room and what has come out of the meeting. People will look at this big, and it's a big piece of paper. If you can imagine, a four by eight, it's pretty. It's a, it's pretty unwieldy. Yeah. If you're like to just like hang it up somewhere, because a <laughs> lot of people might not have that wall space. But it can be photographed and made smaller. It's sent out um, as a post meeting follow up. And the, one of the my most favorite things to do with these outcomes is to look through the out, look through that graphic recording. And see where there are opp- opportunities to continue a conversation. Like I said earlier, like there was, there was one part of a meeting where it was just real high level things, and I said to the um, my client afterwards, I said, you know, this is a really important piece right here. Like I recognize this from organizations I work with before. Like right now, your your team is at a ten thousand foot level. Mm -hmm. And this little section right here is really great outcomes. And you can really deep dive, deep dive into that by creating a series of workshops that can really get you down. It was get you down into into the roots of what this is. And it was all around culture. Culture building was a new organization and they were trying to figure out how to how to create a good, sustainable culture. And what's really amazing then about those outcomes, too, is that they can be made into all kinds of things like I've made postcards and we've done like marketing campaigns around stuff that's come out of it. And I create these culture books that the current one, the one that I'm about to deliver is close to 70 pages and it's going to be given out to um, over 300 employees and has tons of photos of all the work that they've done and lots of the graphic recordings. And most importantly, the learnings, like the, the leadership learnings that have come out of the meetings are reiterated in these documents that people look through on the regular and they're given as gifts. And it's the value of the artifacts can not be understated, truly. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what Anka said earlier of like, it's in front of you, right? Writing something on that post-it note, it takes it from just conversation in the air and now it's tangible and visible yeah. and it's a it's a real thing. The books that you're making, right? You're taking all of that stuff, putting it together, compiling it together for them to reflect on. And it's it's there. This is what you're doing. This is where you're going. It's a real thing that they can look at and kind of wrap up what they've done and launch where they're going. Yes. Well, like, so for instance, like I did a graphic recording for a strategy session, a couple day gra- strategy session, and I cr- uh, created a book out of that. And then that was the guiding light for creating the details of the strategy. 
So they really like came up with like the vision and the ideas and what they wanted to accomplish and then written it written down or drawn into a, and captured into this book was then their way of using that as a guide as they went forward to actually create the details of the strategy. That's and right. then use that as a reflection point too. So a year in, they yeah. open it up and say like, okay, well, these this is where well, this is what we said we wanted. Are we actually there? Mm-hmm. And then they were able to, uh, or they will be able to um, readjust any like details in the strategy in order to meet their goals. So rad. What yeah. a cool tool. Yeah, it's a cool tool. I'm taking a deep breath because I feel like we just went through a time warp and it's been an hour. Oh, has it really? And I'm not really <laughs> sure how this happens. <laughs> Um, so what, two things I want to make sure we do as we wrap up. One, that was a a really fast hour. (laughs) And so I want to make sure for each of you, if there's anything else that you want to say, share what you're doing, where you're going, what you have coming up, um, any other piece of this conversation that you want to add and make sure people have, if it's a tip, whatever it is, some takeaway. Um, and then after that, I'm going to have both of you share how people can reach you. So that they can connect you. Obviously, people can go through me and be like, how do I find them? (laughs) But that'll be the second part. So first piece, Sarah, what do you have next coming up? What's a tip? What what do you want to wrap up with? Well, I think the greatest tip that I get, I, I, uh, the greatest tip I can give any, or especially young organizations or any organization is invest in culture. And what I mean by that is have a budget line, like Mm -hmm. put money in the bank so you can hire people to come in and help you realize your vision of what your culture is. Um, If you don't do that, what ends up happening is that the culture just becomes what it becomes as a result of who's in the room. There are a lot of experts out there who can really help guide what it is you want in your culture. You'll see a lot of startups where the culture is the the founder, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, That works. But then that's not sustainable as you grow. So um, really being able to invest in your culture is a really big thing. And, you know, visual storytelling, Tell you know, just in, introduce visuals to help broaden your inclusion landscape. I love that. Anything to add? Well, so in, in addition to like the consulting human strategy work that we do, we're also heavy in leadership development because mm-hmm. we truly believe that We should not be hired every single time to come in and do this kind of work for folks that we want to leave organizations and teams more capable than when they started. And so we truly believe in developing teams and leaders and organizations and the three, and it ties very well with Sarah, that our three uh, pillars for leadership development is storytelling, whether that's verbal or visual Um, strategic storytelling, executive improvisation, because we need improvisation to be agile, to be fluid, to be fun, Mm -hmm. to be okay with failure, Mm -hmm. and then facilitation. Like you should be able to, after we work with you, continue this work for yourselves because we are just experts at the process Mm -hmm. and getting folks together. Everyone else is the experts of the knowledge. You have Mm -hmm. the capacity to solve your own problems. You just need a little help and a little development to get there mm-hmm. because at the root of it, we don't know how to do it. And we are just so passionate in helping others learn how to do it. And hopefully one day we'll work ourselves out of a job and folks mm-hmm. just won't need us. And that'll be the best kind of mission impossible for us. Right. But at the end of the day, it's get back to the root of being humans and just have these conversations and let us help you. 
because truly they are at the core of everything we do. There's nothing that has happened that hasn't involved humans talking to each other Mm -hmm. at the core of it. And it could happen a lot faster and a lot sooner if we just learn how to do it and do it well. Beautifully said. Anka, if they are listening or seeing your red shirt or <laughs> all the things, how do they reach out to you guys? So if they, reach you? if they go to our website, um, our email is there, but it's really simple if they just want it here over the mic. It's info at designconvo.com. Reach out to us about any ideas, whether it's human strategy, consulting, or leadership development, and we are there to help or point you in the right direction if we can't, or partner with yeah. amazing folks like Sarah when yes. we can. Yeah, beautiful. Sarah, same thing. If they are listening, hearing, whatever, and they want to reach out to you. Email me directly at sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at 26-letters.com. Or you can go to 26-letters.com and read all about me, and there's a contact page. I love it. Ladies, thank you. This thank you really was like a time warp. <laughs> um, I looked out at my clock on the computer and I was like, oh, shit. How did we do that? <laughs> I am so thankful for both of you and what you're doing in the community. So please, whatever you have going on, I've told you this and Sarah, you too. Like whatever you have going on, if it's workshops or whatever that I can help support, share, that's my goal. That's why I'm here, right? It's just to share what you guys are doing. I don't have to go in and do it. I want you to do it. (laughs) Um, So thank you for coming into this conversation, being so open and sharing all of the impact and the value that you guys bring to the workplace. And to your point, right? At some point, maybe we work ourselves out of a job and companies figure out these things and they continue to build on their own. That's a great problem. Well, maybe, (laughs) but we, you know, that's the goal is having them build and be able to do this. So thank you for both of you. Um, To everyone else that's been listening, you've been listening to the Culture Crush Business Podcast. Um, I mentioned in the beginning, we do this to deep dive into conversations with leaders and companies that are resources. So beyond that, we are your hub for company culture resources. What does that mean? That means if you are having those meetings, struggling with those conversations, you don't know what the tool is. Well, guess what? We just had the conversation with the people that the people that are those resources for that tool. Um, I mentioned in the conversation, sometimes companies don't know how to Google, how to search. If you're in that space, that's what our business is here for. Culture Crush is here to help provide you those matches with the companies and the resources that you need to improve. So that in the beginning, right, you don't have to do all these things on your own. Maybe later you've learned and you can take it on. But in the beginning, there are resources out there to help. And that's what we do. That's what we're here for. So with that being said, thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Culture Crush, the only podcast out there that does a deep dive of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture. If you think your company has a strong culture that should be highlighted, please reach out to Kendra Maples on LinkedIn or email us at culturecrushpodcast at gmail.com.